Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. Welcome back to church today. Hope everyone has had a fantastic Thanksgiving week. Hope you've had a great time of not only eating the turkey, but maybe taking a little time to think through some of the things that you are thankful for. Um, as, as Jackie was saying a little bit earlier, I sure am thankful for this church. It's not just a, it's not just a church. It's not just a group of people, but it's a, it's a family, and I'm thankful for that. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking through this series called, called Give Up. And if you've been with me over the last three weeks, we've talked some about how the way that we view money and finances and material possessions and all of those things, when we get to the place where we can give up on trying to control all of that, give up on seeing it like it's ours, and we just begin to give up to God and let him take over, man, he changes things in our lives. And so I've talked about that for three weeks. I want to start off this morning just by saying that over the last two weeks, we've given you an opportunity to fill out a little, little piece of paper that says, my commitment. And if you've not done that, maybe you've been considering that. Maybe you came in this morning thinking, okay, I've prayed through that over the last couple of weeks. I'm ready to do that. Well, we didn't hand them out this morning, but those cards are right outside the door. You can pick one of them up on your way out, fill out the information, drop it off at the next steps table, whatever. Just get it to us. We want you to consider that and take on everything that God has for you. But so I want to relieve you right now by just saying, you know, after three weeks of talking about God's plan for money, there's still a million more things that we could talk about with that. But I just felt compelled today to go in a different direction, a different direction. And so I want your attention this morning because I really believe that, that, that God has a word for each and every one of us today, a word that's going to sharpen us, a word that's going to challenge us, and a word that's going to take us to new places if we will allow God to do that. What I want to talk to you about today is going all in with your relationship with Jesus. Going all in. Like if you had to stand before Almighty God right now, I, like, like if he came into this room and he said, okay, here's the meter, zero to 10, where are you in this thing of being all in with me? It's a good question. Good question. I have to ask myself that question. Say, where am I? Like, 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 where am I in being all in? Because Jesus doesn't call us to come and live a life of comfort. Have y'all figured that out yet? Hadn't called us to live a life of convenience. He calls us to go all in in the same way that he went all in for us. Where are you on going all in? So maybe you came to church this morning, or maybe you're watching online this morning, and maybe you would say, you know, I'm going to be really honest about this thing. The truth of it is I'm considering becoming a Christian, but there's maybe just some things that I don't understand, some things that I still have questions about that, that I just can't really get there yet. Like I've, I've tiptoed up to the line, but I'm not there yet. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're in a place where you would say, well, I've been here before and we've had this talk about salvation and and, and I walked down an aisle and I've been baptized and, and I would say that I was saved a long time ago. But there's something inside of me that says something's just not right. I need to, I need to, I need to, I really need to, to think about where I am in terms of going all in. Or maybe you're somebody who would say, man, I've been following Jesus for a long time. And I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe there's an area in your life that you've just been holding back. 
right? Like, like you know, you can be a, a follower of Jesus. He, he doesn't say we're going to be perfect. We're going to have some things in our lives, but maybe he's pointing out some things, and maybe he has been pointing out some things in your life that he's saying, you know that this is an inconsistency, and you know I can't give you all of me if you don't let go of that thing. Where are you in going all in with Jesus this morning? Well, wherever you are today, here's what I want to challenge you with. It's not okay to stay where you are. It's not okay to stay where you are. And it really is okay to pursue going to the next level. And maybe you have people in your life who have, have told you, don't, don't, don't get too radical now. Don't, don't, get, don't get carried away. Don't become one of those Jesus freaks. Can I just tell you something? Be a Jesus freak. Can I just tell you something? Get carried away. Can I just tell you something? Just, just, just abandon it all and give him everything you have and watch what doors he opens in your life. See, what we're talking about today is making a commitment to living a truly godly life. Here in America, we have the benefit of, of being able to be Christians in a culture that is mostly tolerant of what we call Christians. Here in America, you can be a Christian and it's no big deal, or at least a cultural Christian. And I get it that that statement um, is debatable. It's debatable, I get that, but at least for cultural Christians, in our current culture, our current climate, we don't face that much opposition. Let's just be real, man. It's not hard to be a cultural Christian. Come on now. I mean, you can, you can say, bless God, I love the Lord, I love God, I love America, and people be, woo, baby! Yes, God, guns in America. Give me some of that, right? Not hard to do that at all. But man, when you start talking about Jesus, and when you start being radical and following Jesus, there's some things that happen. Jackie talked about Peter this morning. We're going to talk about Peter. We're going to go to 1 Peter in just a moment. But, 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 but in the world that Peter lived in, and we'll talk about who he was in a minute. I don't expect you to know all that much about Peter. But Peter was one of... Jesus is chosen 12. He walked three years with Jesus, saw all the things that he did, and really probably was the closest one to Jesus. Anytime you see a list of the disciples, Peter's name is the first one on the list. And so Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected. And he ascended back to the Father. And, and the men that he had chosen and the women that he had chosen were left here to carry on what he had begun. And who would lead the charge but a man named Peter? Yes, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Yes, the same Peter who got mad when they started coming and he did the only thing he knew to do, pick up a sword and cut somebody's ear off. That Peter became the leader of the church that are people that are supposed to exemplify what it looks like to follow Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And oh yeah, every once in a while we will cut your ear off, come on somebody. That's Peter. Well, what happened to Peter and the followers of Jesus in the first century was that, that the cultural climate, man, it got hot. It got hot because of an emperor by the name of Nero. You may have heard of Nero. He's said to have, have uh, uh, played the fiddle while, while Rome was burning, right? Uh, emperor uh, Nero, man, he was crazy. And he, he, he got this hatred in his heart towards Christians. Cultural climate turned to where, where we tolerated Christians to now Nero is persecuting Christians. 
Now, you might say, well, I've been persecuted for my faith. Not the way Nero did it. Like, like let me give you an example. Like, you remember the Roman Colosseum, right? We, we know about the lions and, and turning the Christians out to the lions. We know about that. What about that same Nero who would kill an animal or have an animal killed, take its skin with blood still dripping off of it, wrap it around a Christian or a group of Christians, send them out into the Colosseum, and turn a group of wild dogs loose on them? And what, the crowd would watch them be murdered like that. What about the same Nero who we know Jesus was crucified, but crucifixion was a big thing. They did it often to people who were considered to be enemies of the state of Rome so that people could see what a horrible death it was. What about the same Nero who would pursue Christians, who would catch them, would capture them, and bring them back in, and, and would have them impaled on stakes, and their bodies would be lit on fire, and the bodies that were lit on fire would be placed on the entrance to the city so that anyone coming in knew that if they crossed Nero, the same thing would happen to you. This is the persecution, the suffering that first century Christians had to go through. You having to deal with any of that? Yeah, me neither. But we do have our own challenges. And some of the challenges that we face, man, the pressure that people put on us or the perceived pressure that people may put on us will cause us to shrink back from being all that God's calling us to be, to living really godly lives, to saying no to some things that we should have said no to a long time ago. I'm just going to tell you today, don't shrink back. This is not the season for shrinking back. This is the season for the church of Jesus Christ, to be people who are bold like Jesus, to be people who are holy like Jesus, to get rid of the stuff that keeps us from being connected to Jesus. God doesn't want us to shrink back. He wants us to be bold. So there's some, there are some decisions that we're going to have to make, and here's the first one. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. It's okay to be a suffering servant for a season. It's okay to be a suffering servant for a season. Now, the title of this message today is it, is it Really Is Okay. And we're going to talk about some things that, that you may not feel like are okay. But I'm just going to start by saying it's okay to be a suffering servant for a season. Now, now, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I see the word suffer, if it's coming this way, I'm going that way, right? We don't like to suffer. When I hear the word servant, who wants to be a servant? We want to be the people who has service. But Jesus calls his people to serve because that's what he did. And what I'm telling you before I go into this text is, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's not calling you to a life of comfort. He's calling you to suffer because he suffered. He's calling you to suffer like he suffered. You say, what do you mean, Jeff? Let's go to the text. So this is Peter writing this, this letter to, to mostly Jewish Christians who were living in Rome. Rome was the largest city in the world at the time. And can you imagine the largest city in the world had everything anybody could ever want to experience or could experience right there, and that's what these Christians were living in the middle of. So Peter, writing to these, these, these Jewish Christians, says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Now notice he said you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had and be ready to suffer too. Now listen, he's not just talking to first century Christians. You gotta realize this is a text that, that God has supernaturally preserved for centuries so that you and me, so that we could read this today. 
He said, be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you've finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. And what Peter's describing here is this pagan ritual, this pagan act of, uh, of worshiping false gods. And the worship of false gods would have led them, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, if you study this, you're going to see that, that these, these people living in Rome would worship false gods and the false gods would lead them into ceremonies where, where there was just huge feast and drunkenness and orgies and, and just craziness like that. All of these things. And Peter's saying, we got to be done with that. He's not saying when he says that you're, you're, you're dead to sin, he's not saying you're never going to sin again. Let me just take you off the hook right now. Like if you think if I make a decision to follow Jesus, then I got to be so good that I never sin. Well, none of us can make that. That's the point of grace, right? He, he purchased our salvation because we can't. But he's saying, man, it's time to make some changes. How do we do that? Well, Peter says you must arm yourself. I like that terminology. That's military terminology. When, when, so so let's, let's, let's think about this just a minute. Young man, young woman, 18 years old, decides they're going to join the United States Army. Do they go into the recruiter's office that day and sign the paperwork, and they finish signing the paperwork, and the recruiter says, okay, we have a plane waiting on you right outside the door. Take off to Afghanistan. Good luck. Go get them. Well, that's not the way it works. They sign up. They join the Army. And then the United States Army starts doing some things, right? The United States Army begins to, 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 to equip them, begins to train them, begins to teach them about how to work together as a team, begins to show them strategies. And the United States Army equips them with tools. Well, Peter's saying... To, to these people that he loves. It's a church very much like this. People who have been drawn out of the culture into, into the church following Jesus, trying to figure it out. Jackie talked about how, how janky we all are and how we're trying to figure it out. They were trying to figure it out. Peter says, you got to arm yourself because we're, we're living in a culture where, where it's craziness out there, man. Man, the, these people are, are having excess. They're, 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 they're experiencing they're trying, they're taking on anything that they want to take on to feel good. We got to be different than that. He says, so you have to arm yourself. Well, how do you do that? Well, I think the thing that first comes to mind for Christians maybe, and how do we arm ourselves, we'll, we'll say things like, well, you got to go to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. It's not what Peter said. Those things are important, but he says you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had. Now stop just a minute. I want you to think about this. If you are a follower of Jesus and he's telling yourself that, that you're on a mission now, and the mission is not to go to church, by the way. The mission is, is, to, is to, to love lost people. And you've got to go into this culture. How did Jesus arm himself? Well, he first of all submitted and surrendered himself to the will of the Father. And the Father's will was that, that all of us who are lost, lost as ducks in a windstorm without Jesus, all of us who are lost, we need directions on how to get back. You can imagine Jesus saying, yeah, but the only way that they can be restored and redeemed to you is for me to go there, be persecuted, spat upon, swords shoved in my side, crown of thorns, put on the cross and die? Yes. That's the only way. It's the only way? It's the only way. 
Okay, I'll go. Jesus armed himself with surrender to the plan of God, and then he armed himself with love for God's people. Man, do y'all get it that the people that Jesus died for, I'm talking about in the day when he was physically alive, the people that he physically died for were the same people that brought him in and beat him and whipped him and put him on a cross. What did he do? He loved them. What does that say to you? What does that say to me? You got to get this, man. This thing of being a Christian is not about being a better person today. Like, like cultural Christianity will tell you that the goal of being a Christian is to get better and better and better. To be a good boy, to be a good girl. Well, that's not the goal at all because you're still going to be a sinner. You, you're a sinner saved by grace, but you're still going to sin. The goal is not to get rid of all your, all your sins. The goal is to get in line with the plan of God so that when you look at people who are broken and lost and hurting and can't find their way, that you can share the love of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying, man? I want you to get this. We arm ourselves with love, and love is compassion. Jesus looked at the people. We talked about this weeks ago. Splagnitzomai was the word. He looked at the people, and he had compassion in his heart because all of God's people were wandering and lost. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to say, you know what, if that's what God wants for me, if I have to be different from everyone else, if I have to have a heart for people that I don't want to have a heart for, if it's going to cost me, if it's going to be uncomfortable, if that's what it takes to get people to Jesus, then I'm going to do that. We're talking about one percenters now, y'all. Everybody's not going to do this. I get this. It's next level stuff. You know, we've got Christmas coming up in a few weeks, the 18th and 19th. We're going to have, we're going to have, have four services in two days. On the 18th, it's at 5 p.m., 7 p.m. On the 19th, that's Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And I'm telling y'all right now, if you have compassion for the people in your life that you know are lost and far from God, and I'm not talking about bringing your mama who goes to church down the street somewhere. I'm talking about the people you know who are lost and struggling and need to experience the grace and the goodness that comes from turning and beginning to walk with God. Get them here, man. Get them here. That's the simplest thing, simplest way you're going to be able to do this. Get them here. So that's the first thing. But if you do that, it leads us to the second thing. Second thing is this. It's okay to swim against the current. It is okay to swim against the current. Go back to 1 Peter 4. Back to verse 4. Peter says, of course, your former friends are surprised. <laughs> Some of y'all going to know what this feels like. So, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. Anybody experienced that? You, you gave your life to Jesus, started walking with him, and everybody's like, where are you at, man? Why are you not hanging out with us anymore? Are you too good for us now? That's what he's talking about. So they slander you. But remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. What's he saying? Yeah, people who used to be your friends, people who you thought were your friends, they're, they're going to talk junk about you. They may even cause trouble in your life. They may even cut you out of their life. You may cut them out of your life. And he said, it's okay. It is okay for those things to happen. Sometimes it's necessary. Y'all, when I was a kid, man, 
I felt like I was the oddest duck and probably was, but I felt like I was the oddest duck because, because my family went to church every Sunday and we were at every vacation Bible school and Sunday school and Wednesday night and, 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 and revival. And man, I had, I had this thing preached to me over and over and over about, about being somebody who, who honors the word of God and, and pursues God and tries to live a godly life. Now, now let me tell you something. My family was not perfect, far from it. But God sank something down inside of me that, that, that showed me what I was supposed to be doing. And all through my, my youth, my, my middle school, high school, all of those years, I remember feeling like something just, why don't these people get it? Like everybody's just doing whatever they want to do. If it feels good, they do it. And it doesn't seem like there's any consequence to it. And I felt like, man, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to say no to this. And I'm not supposed to be there. And I'm not supposed to watch that. And I tried so hard to do that. And my heart felt like it was broken. Like all through high school, man, I felt like my heart was broken for, for those kids who were doing all the things that, that I knew they weren't supposed to be doing. I don't know if they knew it or not. And I felt like such an odd duck. And I felt like, you've seen that picture, man, of, of a whole school of fish swimming this way. And there's one fish. They're all swimming downstream. And the one fish is trying to swim upstream. That's the way I felt. And at some point, as I got a little bit older, I started to feel like, man, I can't change this. And so I gave up. And instead of swimming against them, started swimming with them. Started just going and doing whatever. If it feels good, do it. And I lost my way. And I got off track. And I'm saying to you right now, there's some of you here right now who know exactly what I'm talking about. And maybe you're considering giving up, continuing to fight against the culture. Don't do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't become like everybody else out there. God's called you to something deeper. I look back on those days and, and things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And I get that. But I wonder what would have been if I had never, never let go of that, if I had kept going the way God wanted me to go. What, what difference could I have made? And I'm saying to you right now, don't be like this world that's outside these doors. Man, the word that comes to my mind a lot of times when we deal with people, a lot of times the word is common. You know what I'm saying, man? Everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that and everybody's talking about this and everybody's involved in that. What about being uncommon? What about being a star that shines in the night? What about being a church that's a city that's set on a hill that people look at and say, that's the way things are supposed to be? Those people that go to Compassion Danville, they're different. They love Jesus and they don't just talk about it. They don't just read books and they, they, they actually get out and they serve people and they help people and they step into the messes. How about if we do that? It's okay to swim against the current, man. And it's also okay to love in ways that seem unnatural. It's okay to love in ways that seem unnatural. Boy, that's a mouthful right there. Because love, whoo, that's a big word. Let's read this verse and we'll talk about it. 1 Peter 4, he continues on, verses 7 through 9. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. I could say a lot about that. Some of you would say, well, he said that 2,000 years ago and we're still clicking, right? Well, it may be that Jesus comes back. It may be that the world ends. Like, like we, we, we got a bunch of conspiracies. How many of y'all love a good conspiracy theory? Come on, man. I mean, we, yeah, we got plenty of those we could talk about. But, but even if none of that happens, man, I mean, we, if the United States and China fall in love next week and we become the best of friends and go skipping down the road and it's all good, you're still going to die. 
The end of your world is coming, right? The end of your world, you're going to die at some point. He says the end of the world is coming soon. So however it works, we leave in here one day. And he says, because of that, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all. That's a big word. Most important of all. Which, by the way, this is the same thing that Jesus said was most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So I see three things in these, in these three verses. He says, he says uh, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. You know what that is? That's loving God in an unnatural way. What's natural is for me to love myself and do what I want to do. But when I think about who Jesus is and how he met me and found me when I was lost and he pulled me into his family and made a seat at the table for me, and he tells me to love him. Peter says, make sure that you're earnest. That's, that, that's keeping, keeping it simple, right? That, that's keeping it sincere with your prayers. Pray to God. He says, be disciplined in your prayers. That's saying, man, I'm not just going to be like, good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Come on, how many of y'all do that thing, right? I'm not going to just do that. I need time with Jesus. I need time to get the noise shut down. And it may be that, that I'm out on the trail running. It may be that I'm in the car. It may be that I find a spot right here on a Tuesday morning. But I need time with God because I need to talk to him and tell him what's burdening me. But I also need to hear from him. He says, be earnest and be disciplined. And you're not going to be earnest and disciplined in your prayers if God is just a portion of your life. If God is just an add-on to your life, if God is just Sunday in attendance, and yes, Grandma, I went to church today, now can we have the chicken, please? You're not going to be in that place. But man, when you get it who God is, what He did for you, where He wants to take you, what He wants to put you into, the mission that He wants to carry you into in your life, prayer becomes this lifeline for you. Love God supernaturally. And then He says, love the Christians and brothers. Love each other deeply. I hate to tell you all this, you've heard it a time or two, but love really is caring more about the other person than I care about myself. And as, as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we have to overlook some things. We have to forgive some things. You know why? Because without unity in the body, we can't do anything. We have to overlook some things. We have to be forgiving. And we have to care more about other people than we do ourselves. We have to help each other. Then he says, love strangers. He says to cheerfully share your home or a meal with others. You know, over the last three or four years, I think we've probably had at least three people who have lived in our home. And y'all know we have a large family already. Like, like, like we, got, we got all the room. There's no room at the end down in Lynchville. Uh, back, you know, back when we had a house before I burned it down. Remember that? But we figured out over the years how we can make, we can make a little room for one more. Somebody needs a little room. And I was thinking about that this morning, thinking, wow, you know, there have been at least three people over the last few years who have lived with us for extended periods of time, and then our house burns down, and Patty Johnson says, y'all come live with us. Y'all come stay at my house. See, it's interesting having been on both sides of that. That's a very humbling thing when you don't even have your own bed, when you don't even have your own home, when you don't even have a place to call your own. And you're completely dependent upon someone else. I get it. I know now what it feels like to say, well, I never had to say it, but to have the feeling of, can we please stay there? We don't have anywhere to go. What does that look like to be on the other side of that? 
Like, like, like how many of us have, have rooms in our home that just sit there closed off at your vacuum and nobody ever goes into? How many of you love to cook? And, and there's people all around us that would love to have not only a meal, not just the food, but the community, the connection. Jesus is saying that we're supposed to be unnatural in the way we love people. And here's the last thing. It's okay to use your gifts. It's okay to use your gifts. Go back to verses 10 through 11. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And the question that this text begs right now is for each of us, what are you doing with what God has invested into you? What are you doing with that? Y'all remember the song? Sing it with me if you know it. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Now, 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 how did it go from there? He said, um, um, won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. And it goes on through that. Y'all saying that when we were a kid, right? He said, this is one I love because all the kids got excited on this one. Hide it under a bushel. <laughs> all the Baptists in the room said, "Woo!" All right, been waiting on that one. What are you doing with the gifts that God's baked into your life? Are you letting your light shine? Or are you letting Satan blow it out? Are you hiding it under a bushel? Why did he put that into your life, right? The things that, that bring you alive. Like some of you think about coming up on this stage and speaking into a microphone and it gives you a panic attack because that's not what God wired you to do. But man, there are other things that he's created you to do. Right? If you sing, man, get up here and sing. If you play an instrument, do it for his glory. If you want to hold a baby and change a diaper, we need you back there. If you love a teenager and love to play silly teenager games and can get in there, get in there. But the thing that he's built into you, do it for his glory. And I just want to say this boldly to some of you right now. There's some of you in this room that I believe that God has put a passion inside of you for some kind of a particular ministry and it's been kind of burning like embers inside of you for a while. And maybe you haven't figured out how to make that thing happen. And maybe it's time for you to go into an extended season of, of prayer and fasting and seeking counsel and saying, I really feel like God wants me to do this, but I don't have any idea. Use that thing for the, for the glory of God. Why? Because you knew when somebody used their gift for the glory of God and they met you, God met you where you were when you didn't have any answers. Anybody remember being there when you were lost and in need of a Savior and God met you there? God wants to use you to be that person in someone else's life. Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Father, right now, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Father, for the way that you have made me feel. Because, God, you have made me feel loved and protected, even anointed, God. 
You have built things into me that I never could have imagined. And you've built it into all of us. And Lord, this morning, for those who are considering what it looks like to step into a relationship with you, kind of been on the fence, kind of been teetering, kind of thinking maybe, yeah, this really is what I need to do, but I'm scared or it doesn't make sense or I don't know how to do it. God, I pray right now that you will give them that, that, that gentle nudge to help them to take up the faith to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. And so right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to boldly ask you this. If that's you sitting there right now, and you've kind of been on the fence, and you've never made a decision, you, you have never said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. And today is the day that you know he's calling you into deeper waters. He's calling you to die to your old life so that he can give you a new life. He can't put the new life in your hands until you let go of the old life. If that's you right now, you want to say to Jesus, I want you to save me today. I want to give you my life. Would you just raise your hands right there where you are right now? Amen. Yes, I see that hand. Yes. You can put your hands down. Lord, salvation. It's the process of being saved. It's the act of being saved. And when we're saved, we realize that we're in a desperate place in need of a Savior. And you've come to this room today to say, I am here. And if you are lost, I want to show you the way. If you're in need of rescue, I am your rescuer. And so if that's you this morning and you want to accept what Jesus has, whether you raise your hand or not, whether you're online and considering these things, let's just have a conversation with God. You can just do this inside your heart. You don't even have to say it out loud. From you to God, God, I need you. God, I know that I am lost. I am struggling. And I want to follow you. Jesus, today, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I know that my sins have separated me from you. And God, I want that to be in the past. I want it to be over with. I want to walk with you the rest of my life. I'm laying down my life. I give it to you, Lord. And I want you to give me my new life. Jesus, I accept your offer of salvation. And there are others in this room who, who you know where you are with God. And you know where you are at going all in with Him. He's not calling you to be a better person. He's not calling you to go to church more. He's not even calling you to be a tither. He's calling you to go all in with Him. And right now, the prayer for you is, is simply, God, help me. God, I surrender again. Lord, as your people, we just lay it down at your feet. God, we're thankful for your grace that that, that saves us in amazing ways that we can't understand. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the times when we've been lukewarm. God, forgive us for those trinkets that sparkle that we go running back to. And every time we run to the little fool's gold, we're running away from you. God, help us to drive a stake in the ground and not go back to those things. God, what we're asking today is that you will help us to be godly people who live lives that glorify you, it's pleasing to you, and brings your lost people into your kingdom. And we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.